Three, two, one, intro. Pastor Glenn, we're definitely not inside the fishbowl. No, we're not in Kansas anymore. I'm Pastor Dan. I have to tell you, we've done terrestrial live radio before with a listenership of, I don't know, 50, 65,000 people. And I've never been as nervous as I am now. (laughs) And a lot of it's got to do with just, we're we're not in the fishbowl. That's our our studio, affectionately known as the fishbowl. It's about the size of the men's room, maybe smaller. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, but it's just I think we're we're actually in a live church service right now, and part of that's a little bit awkward for me because we're not usually in this setting as far no. as recording a podcast, so it's a first for our, our, us as well. But I think I got the behavior down. So okay, you know, yeah. uh, number one, no beer. Okay, right. got okay. it, got it. Number two, no swearing. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> number three, no flatulence. Well, there goes our Lutheran demographic right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, most kidding aside, we are super excited to be recording live here at an actual church in Charleston, South Carolina. The Holy City. And we want to do a shout out to our listenership. We've we've developed a following in, in a lot of different countries lately. So from Poland. Poland, uh, Slovakia. Istanbul, Turkey. Yes. Finland. Finland. Netherlands. Uh, Netherlands, we say Italy. Italy, huge listenership there. Exotic, faraway places like North Carolina. That's a very exotic place. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's great to be here. One of the reasons that I have a lot of intrepidation as far as this is concerned is the subject matter, okay? I think about it, I'm like, how did Glenn get me into this? Because the subject matter of what we're going to talk today is about anger. And a lot of what our podcast has to do with is music a lot of metal music, a lot of intense music, and people think that, oh, that's so angry. There's so much anger going on with that. And then I look in my own life, and it's been like a big struggle for me. How about you? I don't want to take the spotlight of shame, but it's a big deal. I'll I'll share the spotlight with you. Anger, I think that's the reason why we're here, is we have real Pastor Russell with us. I'm Pastor Dan. Russell the Muscle. Russell the Muscle. I'm depasteurized. Glenn. And we figured instead of us blabbering on and on in absolute hypocrisy about, well, this is what you should do with anger when we struggle with it on every day, is to come and ask a pastor about these issues and really minister to the people that are here uh, in the audience with us. We see some friends of ours from when we were on radio 17 years ago. Kevin, you look just as young as you did back then. It's good to see you. Um, But ask real Pastor Russell about anger. And as Dan said... Our ministry is very unique in that we minister to the heavy metal community. That's that's where that's where our passion is. And a lot of people are like, oh my goodness, you know, they, they minister to the heavy metal community. Well, somebody's got to do it. We listen to metal, we love metal. And we come from the perspective that all music is, is God's. Now it can go one way or the other. But what you just heard earlier uh, tonight with what we played for you was uh, somebody who now is gloriously born again and that's that's Roy Kahn absolutely and and there's a lot more testimonies than just that there's people all over the spectrum of music that we're seeing that that God is just moving upon and when we we've noticed a trend that anything that is very very passionate 
Okay, I think this may be something about why the enemy moves in on anger so much in our lives. But when you see somebody that's very passionate about life, about living, about singing, about seeking truth, and we've noticed it specifically in the metal community that a lot of people, they really have questions and they really accelerate it. They want to know truth. And we're seeing that God is not just sitting back letting them do that. I think he's inspiring them to do that and he's moving upon them. So a lot of exciting things going on. A lot of exciting things. And we're very excited to have Pastor Russell from New Covenant Church of God here in Mount Pleasant with us to talk about anger tonight. And this is one of the things, I mean, Dan and I, we, we used to be pastors. And we were in a place that we probably shouldn't have been for, for whatever reason for a time. And I know for me personally, I was like, oh, wow, I understand the Bible. I understand Scripture. Oh, I got some leadership skills. But that doesn't necessarily qualify somebody to be called to be a pastor. So it's like, you know, I, I think it's just that overachievement mode that I get into in my flesh sometimes. I thought it was because you tried to belch the Hebrew alphabet and got kicked out of seminary. <laughs> That's what I heard. I don't know. But um, it, it took me a while, and I had to repent of being a pastor. Not my calling. It's a very special calling that God calls people to. And you know what's really rare to find, Dan? It's really rare to find these days a pastor who really loves the Lord in humility before the Lord and, and preaches the word, preaches truth. And, and that's really what we found here in, in Pastor Russell and why we have Absolutely. Him on. We met, I don't know what, uh, probably a month ago, three probably weeks, a month ago. about a month ago. And just, you know, I had things going on in my life. Glenn and I have had different experiences where certain official religious settings, I hate to say that word, y'all know what I'm trying to say, but make us a little nervous because of our background and different things and not trusting leadership. And when I meet somebody and spend, we probably spend a couple of hours at least, maybe two and a half, and just the love, just the anointing of the Lord, just things that you said that ministered to me. And I knew without a doubt, I was like, I know that man's praying for me. And I felt it all through the, since that time, I was like, things started changing. I started softening in a lot of areas and it, it was just amazing. So it's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for hosting our crazy podcast up in here. <laughs> it's our fault. If anybody's offended, it's totally us. It's Dan's fault. Yeah, it's my fault. I'll take it all. But thank you. And I, I really do appreciate your ministry. Even the brief time that we spent together has been very uh, meaningful to me. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I think I thrive in awkward silences, so it's okay. If, if, if there is some awkwardness or if there is some, you know, a little pause, it's all right, man. We'll, we'll work right through it. But it's an honor. It's really an honor to be here and to be able to share with y'all today. So. Thank you. Pastor Russell, how was it that you knew that you were called to be a pastor? Well, first of all, uh, you have to have a relationship with God. And then from that relationship with God, God pretty much send you out to where you're supposed to be. It's not that, oh, I'm just going to do whatever I want to. There are gifts that God gives us specifically, and we operate in those gifts. Now, there could be multiple gifts that God gives to one individual, and that's great. That's awesome. But if that is not my wheelhouse, then I shouldn't be there. So the way that God called me was when I was running from him. He was saying, Russell, I have a life for you. I have a purpose for you. And I came from a, fa- I, I come from a, a family with a long line of pastors in them. And I've been real close in the pastor's home, being a preacher's kid, raised up in the home. I've seen a lot of things, you know. It's one of those moments where you don't understand what I've seen. I've seen crazy things sometimes. I've seen the good and the bad. And um, 
You know, I, I looked at that and I said, I don't want that life. I don't want that, God. And really in the, in, in the whole scenario, I was saying, I didn't want religion. I didn't want religion like that. I didn't want someone to stab me in the back just because they didn't like the idea of me. I wanted to know that I was fully called. Deep down inside, I wanted to know I was fully called. And that process took probably five and a half years because I was working a secular job. I was saying, you know what? I'm just going to make some money. I'm going to you know, get married, have some kids, and, and just live a life. And in the back of my mind, the whole time, God was saying, no, I have more for you. And it wasn't until I said, okay, I'm done. I can't run from you anymore. Because God is everywhere. We say, oh God, I'm working to you. He's already there where you are. God actually invented space. So he's everywhere. He invented time. So time is irrelevant to him. He operates in a standard that is beyond us. And that's what he was doing the five and a half years of my life where I felt like I was running and I was just trucking away and saying, God, I don't want this life. The whole time he was preparing the perfect path so that I could land right where he wanted me. And that's where I ended up. I, I just I just said, God, I can't run from you anymore. There is a nagging in my heart. There's a fire that's shut up in my bones. And I've got to tell somebody. Now, the first time I ever gave a message, I was shaking out of my body. I, I mean, I was literally like, oh, what am I going to say? And, and just the love of God just shattered, shattered everything. And I just began to speak from my heart. And he said, you know what? This is the starting point. And I felt like in that little bit of obedience that God put me in a slingshot. And slung me to a destiny that I didn't even know was there. And that, that right there was something the world could never do for me. And that's where I ended. Wow. Dan and I were talking, and you and I were talking before we even got started tonight, that obedience to the Lord is actually fun. Oh yeah, uh, and we really don't have much control once we obey. It's not our life, really. It's it's the Lord and where He leads us. And what Dan and I came out of, you remember? I remember. <laughs> Maybe we don't want to remember. We came out of a church where obedience was you must do what the pastor says and live a very legalistic lifestyle. And I spent Dan spent we we referred to it as the desert about ten years away from that. Uh, until God called us to this, and we took just little steps of obedience in doing it, and here we are up here, and we've done some things that we're not going to talk about today, but we've been some places and seen some people and talked to some people. It's like, wow, how in the world did that happen? And the only way that it could have happened was, was God opening up the door. Absolutely. It's been a long journey, and you see different things of what you think is God. Or The worst is when you have somebody that is in leadership probably not called and then they're trying to work their will and the will of man and and just that's, it can that's really manipulation manipulation uh, and, and <laughs> we, we bought it we we yep. could do 10 more podcasts i'm gonna boil it down even more russell is the bible talks about manipulation and calls it witchcraft oh yeah 100 um we're not supposed to be the moving force we're so only supposed to be obedient and allow god to come in and once we allow god to come in and to this temple, because we are the temple of God. These four walls are amazing, and it's great to have a service or a podcast. But ultimately, when we walk outside of these walls, we are the church. This body 
is the church. We're the called out ones. We're the ones that God has poured his spirit into and we're connected to God. And now we have a purpose beyond our means to create in ourselves to now see that there's a world that is so angry and so frustrated, especially with leadership or anything else. And they're turning to all these things to try to fill a void. But really, ultimately, it is God standing and just saying, I'm right here whenever you're ready. I'm right here. So the, 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 the witchery or the witchcraft that people try to manipulate others with is really irrelevant because God is still as powerful as he's ever been. And when you, when you come down to the line of it, these people might have influence. These people might even work people. They could even hurt people. But the bottom line is they're going to have to stand in judgment just like me, just like anybody else. And that right there should always be in the forefront of our mind. I have Christ, but what am I going to do with him? Am I going to use him for selfish gain or am I going to use him and, and, and treat him like he's my friend and do something amazing that changes the world? Wow. You know, and you were talking about that you didn't want religion. No. And a lot of people get confused because, unfortunately, the majority of what people see, Dan, you would agree, is that they think of Jesus, they think of believing the Bible, they automatically think of religious rules, regulations, obligations, and it's got nothing to do with that. Oh, yeah. Immediately. I mean, that's uh, if somebody's not alive to Christ, it's hard to imagine spiritual things when you're dead, really. You know, you're spiritually dead, so how are you going to conceive of it? Yeah. Now, and... It was interesting because this afternoon, before we got here, I was playing some Nightwish, okay? And one of the lyrics popped out to me is that they were singing, don't give me love, give me truth. That's deep. Hmm. Because I think what's happened is that in religion, we show this fake form of, hey, I I love you, I'll pray for you, okay? And not do anything about it. And it's all fake on the outside, but they want truth. And that's what we hear the rocks crying out. What this Lithos Cry ministry is about is hearing what the rocks are crying out and then praying for them in that and and hopefully ministering to them as well. And to hear that, that just hit me today. I've, I've listened to that song a million times. And it was the first time that I heard that. Don't give me love. Give me truth. Hmm. And you can't, truth gets muddled up in religion. It gets, it gets confusing sometimes, like the scribes and the Pharisees. Yeah. Um, they had how many laws, Russell? Thousands. <laughs> yeah. Too many to even count. And you know, I work with a great organization that is Bible-based. And that's where I, I really set my roots in. I, I could have left this, the Church of God and said, you know what, I'm going to blaze my own trail. But they have standards and their belief. And I'm not against religion 100% because we need rules and regulations. We have to have them because if we don't, we just go, you know, uh, do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. And, and there, there is some structure in the word of God that gives us something to hold on to so that we can advance the kingdom. Because if we're all doing our own thing and doing whatever we want to do, nobody eventually comes together and says, hey, this might work. Mm-hmm. We could actually do something good here, and that's why the church is here. So, 
Awesome. I know it, when we talked, every, um, we ate some good steaks that day. Was that good. was good steak. When we were talking that day, and I was sharing some things, and you were sharing with us, and I remember in my life of just times when I would want to respond to the things of God. I'd feel like my walk was distant, and I'm like, man, I really I want to um, fall back in love with the Lord. I really want to move that direction. It was almost like clockwork where there would be these situations that would happen that would almost straddle the line between those two different type of angers that we're talking about. As far as um, a righteous anger, it would seem like it, or it'd be, it might, maybe someone was threatening one of my children. Like I remember a specific situation, it's too grieving to talk about. There was a righteous anger that rose up. So I'm trying to pursue the Lord. I get really excited. The next week, somebody verbally assaults my 15-year-old daughter in a horrible way. And as a red-blooded father, you know, you're like, I really want to kill somebody. I mean, I really, I want to lay hands on that guy and, and not for prayer, you know? And and I remember feeling that and thinking that, and I was like dealing with this, do I forgive? Do I punch? Do is it? Should I go to jail? When do, what do I do? Really? Okay. Fathers, and you know, y'all can relate to that. You turn into like this bear and you're like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to smash somebody. And I remember that almost became an obsession. And in my own neighborhood, and I didn't know who it was, and I called the cops, and there was this whole big situation. But that drove a wedge eventually in between me and that new desire to actually fall in love with the Lord again and to spend time in prayer after a long desert. So Glenn and I came out of a really messed up religious situation where the the things of God were there, but they were being misappropriated. And then all of a sudden, I'm trying to come out of that long desert time, and as soon as I did... Boom. And I wanted you, I know we talked about some of that, but I'd like to hear you shed some light on some of those situations of that trap of the enemy or the situation, these people come into your life. And then before you know it, I'm boxing the air. I forget about it. it's not against flesh and blood. I'm all thinking about flesh and blood, thinking about beating up that guy and how, how much time would I have to serve or, you know, whatever I'm thinking. And then I'm like, I'm so far away from forgiveness, from anointing, from I've been completely sidelined, you know, and I feel like I'm not even saved anymore. But I was, I believe, but I was just sidelined. But you had some really some things that really meant a lot to me that you ministered to me with that question. And. Several months ago, what was the genesis of this? You were preaching about be ye angry and sin not. Dan? We can be angry. Yeah. <laughs> Spiritual high five there, man. All right, we can, we, we can be angry. I'm good at something. But sin not. So how can we be angry and sin not? That's kind of an oxymoron paradoxical thing there. So, so in Psalms 4, 4, uh, David says, be angry. And do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. And then Paul actually emphasizes the same thing in Ephesians chapter 4, 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Yes, we can be angry, but our first response to anger should be a way out of anger. Because if we don't, our anger will control us eventually. Uh, when Crystal and I first got married and uh, life was so frustrating. I, we lived in a wood panel apartment and we shared the next lot to somebody that was loud all the time. I was working second shift. She was working at a doctor's office. We would pass each other coming in and out and we'd say, hey, how you doing? High fives, all that stuff. 
And there's just one day Crystal said, we can't do this anymore. And I actually got so angry. I ripped my shirt. I ripped. I had a necklace on. That's back in the day. <laughs> Did you have hair then too? I, I, no, I never had hair. But I got so angry. I'm like, what do you want me to do? And I saw the fear in her eyes. I saw. I, I almost had a little outer body experience. And I just stepped back from the situation. I saw the fear that was in a gift that God had given me. And I said, I never want to go back there. And I've come leaps and bounds from that that moment. And it's only by the grace of God. See, if we allow sin to take root, then we lose control 100%. Now, when I played football, I would get angry. I would get angry at an opponent or I would get frustrated and, and mad at them. And what I've come to find out, if I cannot channel that anger with control and use it, to overstep my adversity or my, my problem, then I don't need it in my life. Because what happens in a man's life, there's always a sense to fight in there. There's always that sense of competition. And that competition almost gets us to a point to where we hit a wall and we're like, we can't go any farther. And then we find rage or we find anger and we're like, yes, I can go up and beyond. And really, it's just fueling a dragon that will eventually take us out. If we allow that anger to take root and just to bury itself into our lives, we alienate ourselves from God. God has righteous anger. He has anger of of things that almost change the whole body of his good works to try to be false works. The enemy comes in and tries to manipulate his words to benefit something completely opposite than what he means. And that is when God gets angry. And that is that righteous anger. It is it is the things that got the standard that God has set. He said, I want you to be at this standard. And then the enemy comes in and says, well you can be angry and 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 live in that anger. You can Jonah, he was angry when he sat under that fig tree and it withered up. He got angry and it was something that he couldn't even produce in himself. It was wasted effort on something that he himself could not build. But he was neglecting the fact that there was 120,000 people that were suffering and needed the word of God. And he was reluctant and angry and said, I don't want to do that. And that anger, if, if that anger was not in Jonah at that moment, imagine the what if moment of Jonah if he would have had what we call a good attitude about life. Because we get angry about things that we can never control. We, we get set off by things that we, it is completely out of our standards. We put our faith in people and we say, you've got to make me happy. When really our happiness is not in people, it's actually in God. And the more we stay focused and close to God, the more we can brush anger off and say it's not relevant in my life. Will we be angry? Yes, we will. But as soon as we feel that anger come up, because it is a monster. And if we don't control that monster and let it loose, we'll hurt somebody. And words are forever. When we, I would rather take a beating than to hear my mom and dad say they don't love me. 
because they were angry at me. Or to hear my wife say, I don't love you because she was angry. That hurts. And those words are forever. And that rage monster, monster inside of us that is so angry and is just waiting for the moment to pounce on a situation. If we say, no, this is not your moment. This is God's moment. Here's a $64,000 get real question. Uh-oh. <laughs> Used to be the million dollar get real question, but <laughs> we don't have a million dollars. Yeah. $64,000 question. We're created in the image of God. Yes. So all the emotions that we have are emotions that God has, and He knit within us anger. Why is that emotion in us? Let me, let me backtrack for just a second, because I know there's a lot of people that, that take that Bible verse, be angry and sin not. They're like, don't be angry. Oh, you're, you're being angry. You, you, you can't be that. Well, that's an emotion that God put in me, and that makes somebody even angrier when they can't express that emotion. Why did God give us that emotion? First part of the question. Second part, what does he want us to use it for? And why does the devil, the enemy, trip us up so much in it? Well, God ordained life to exist. He spoke it into existence. Bottom line. There's no getting around that. And I know there's theologians that say, well, it happened this way. And really the truth is, is very plain and, and in fact, God spoke and it was. Now, in that moment of creation, from the dust of the earth, He fashioned us to do great and mighty things, but also with limitations. Limitations in our natural state. See, we have to depend on God in all things. See, we think that we can give God our pride and keep our anger. That's not how it works. Pride goes before the fall. It leads to an eternity of, of death. And ultimately, the reason why it is in us, yes, we can be a have a righteous anger or we can have a self-righteous anger. And a self-righteous anger is an anger that says, oh, you can justify the means of going to that person that verbally abused your daughter or the, the teacher that uh, tried to tell my daughter she wasn't good enough or the man that I encountered on the road today that gave me the one-finger salute because I was just trying to get on the highway. That was me. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering when you were going to fess up to it. But I can't take you anywhere. But we can, I, I was sitting there and I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Why is this guy so angry? He has an absence of God. And in that absence of God, he has to have a crutch, correct? Correct. And his crutch is anger. Now, anger will always be there. Strife will always be there. But we have to find a way to get to where God is so that anger is not our crutch. We have to ultimately realize that we can't do this life without God. That's why we have limitations. That's why we doubt. That's why we get frustrated. That's why we're angry. That's why we come down on ourselves. It's so that we can understand that we cannot do this without God. Life, as small of a, of a realm as you have or a, a huge influence that you have in your life, if it does not consist around one thing, and that is God, you will always be angry because you're looking for a void. You're looking for something to fill that void. And, and the way that God connected us through soul to be absent from the body is to be present with God. Right. That is our soul connected 
to God. 100%. Even if a belief, even if an unbeliever says, I don't want to have nothing to do with God. It doesn't matter. He's still connected to God in some form or fashion. We are knit so strategically in a manner that can either erupt into our selfish game or we can fall under the submission of the holy righteousness of God and say, you know what? The anger's in my life. But it's, it can't be my anger. It has to be God's. I've, I've seen times where I get angry and I get frustrated. And I'll go to my wife and I'm like, what do I do about this? She's like, have you prayed? I'm like, oh, man, why are you telling a preacher to pray like that? <laughs> why? And, and immediately I'll go pray. And all of a sudden, God will just... And it can sound crazy. It can sound out of this world. It can sound like a unicorn prancing right in front of you. But I'm telling you right here, right now, I believe God is waiting on us to say, I can't do it without you. I need your help. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. Things are not lining up in my life. Finances are not doing good. Marriage is not doing good. My relationship with everybody else is not doing good. I need something. And that is where we fall on the crutch of God. Because God, without Him, will always be angry. Dan, hate to break it to you, but that... Uh... Money changer table flipping ministry we were going to start. I think that just kind of... No, I still have hope for that. <laughs> that that well, one just... You know what? The, one of the first scriptures that Pastor Russell read, and it talked, and, you know, when you hear it, go and uh, ponder upon your beds. And it sounds a bit archaic, you know, to modern life. I'm going to go back and, you know, when I'm a king. You know, you think right. about a king, you think about, I'm going to go ponder upon my bed and somebody's going to feed me grapes and I'm going to think about why I'm not going to be angry with the, the peasant that flipped me off in the, <laughs> in the roadway. Um, and, but really, I think there's something to that when I sit there and, and ponder that. If we are, it's kind of relative. For example, if there's somebody... Oh, they cut in line on you or they cut you off in traffic and we want to get so mad about that. If I do ponder that upon a royal bed, which I don't really have, but in a sense we're headed that direction, we have so much, they have nothing. If they're not, if they don't know Christ, if they're not established in their eternity and you think about, that guy just cut me off in line. But if I sit there and I ponder and think, you know what, (laughs) I'm... I've been completely remade. Um, God has covered me in his blood. I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. I have eternity. That kind of defuses that anger for me, at least in my mind. I mean, I've done that for seasons, but I've been horribly inconsistent. And it's that's what I, I know that personally I need to really work on. But that pondering on your bed, you know, like almost like a rich king. And that, there's something to be said for that. So next time, I won't flip you off. Well, sorry, when he says ponder, I think of just taking a breath. Because I could have sit there and manipulated my self-righteousness and justified that it says on the light, do not turn if the light is red. And I was obeying the law and I thought I was doing it right. And then somebody behind me says, no, you're not doing it right. I could have justified the means to get angry in that moment. Usually, you know, when they pass and give me the salute, I just wave at them like Forrest Gump and just say, hey. And it diffuses the situation. It really does. And that's, that's one thing that we need to see. The difference between anger and love. Because anger diffuses 
Our, uh, our love diffuses anger yeah. completely and utterly. It crashes the walls completely down to the point where the devil's like, what am I going to do next? I, I'm going to tell you this. What makes God angry is the perversion of his goodness. Hmm. That right there, the enemy will twist every word that God has given us to manipulate it for our self-righteousness when God is saying, no, you're covered by my righteousness. And then turning the wrong of what he has made right. The anger of man does not produce righteousness of God. And we think it does. It does. We're like, I'm angry, God, so God is angry. Yes. You know, Moses and God, while he's leading these children to Israel and they're going this way and that way, and they're like, let's go back. And then all of a sudden God's like, let me just destroy them. And Moses is like, no, don't do it. And then Moses on another end is saying, God, why don't you just destroy them? And God's saying, no, I'm not going to do that. It is, it is okay to be angry at times. But to ponder and take a breath, that means to... To step back from your situation and say, is this my anger or God's anger? Because I want to ask you a question. Is man greater than God? No. It's, it's a plain question, right? It's, it's a plain answer. Is profitfulness greater than selfish, selflessness? No. no. We take anger and we say, that's my anger. It's mine. I can do whatever I want to. We were created in God's image by a word, by him looking at the dust and saying, let it be. What do we have that is above God? He says, ponder, wait, look for me. That's what he's saying. He said, look for me. Look at what you're angry about and what you really should be focused on. Because anger will cloud us up to the point where we have no direction in our life anymore. Wow. There's a line between, and this is, Dan, we're asking this because we don't know the answer to the question. Maybe Dan does, but I don't. I can sense it in other people, but where is that line between passion and anger? Because a lot of times those get confused. When Let's go to one of my heroes of the faith, John the Baptist, who cried in the wilderness. That was not just to repent. Kingdom of God is hand. He was a wild man. And the Bible describes him as, as a wild man. And really, one of the things that we've realized through this ministry is that John the Baptist is about as metal as you can get with the way he appeared, the way he ministered. Man, if I could just stand out and eat locusts and wild honey and, and just, you know, preach all day, that'd be, that'd be awesome. But he preached at a level that was different than the sound that was being heard from the scribes and the Pharisees who were very sanctimonious, very very liturgical in the way that they were doing things. And, and here's that, John's yelling and screaming, repent. He's crying in the wilderness. What? And some people would be like, that man's angry over there. But John wasn't angry. He was passionate. What is that line between anger and passion? Well, it all boils down to what is truth? Because you have to have passion in life. If you don't, you're not living. When, when you ask God to completely change your life and live inside of you, that right there completely changes your whole life scenario. Not, not just physically, but eternally. Now, your question, I'm sorry, 
Ask me one more time because I don't want to. I don't want to misdirect. What is the fine line between anger and passion? What is what is the line? Passion is something. Passion is almost defined as anger, but it it is also defined as the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit, the fire that shut up in my bones is not anger. It is the Holy Spirit trying to come. Now people can be passionate about anything. But if, if there is no God to rely on, then that passion goes to anger. But if you're passionate like I am about the church, there are things in the church that I'm, I'm like, why in the world would people do that? And I could, I could justify the means to get angry. But then I'm like, wait a second. Does this lead back to love? Does this lead back to, way, to the way that God intended it to be? Is there a fine line between passion and anger? Yes, but there's also a fine line between passion and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fuels that fire so that we can cry out in the wilderness, so that we can maneuver through all the the standards to get to the love. So yeah, I I really do think there's a fine line between on, on both sides, between the Holy Spirit and passion and passion and anger. So that's to say then just because somebody is at maybe a higher decibel level than what is normal in the way that they're expressing things or things are coming out in a, in a very, um, how would you describe it, Dan? Uh, uninhibited. Uninhibited, yeah. Doesn't mean that they're necessarily angry, but that they're passionate. Well, it's just like what I just said. It, it's almost like twisting the word of God. Passion is there to make us realize that God is there. I'm passionate about my wife. I've never misquoted that, or, or she's never misinterpreted that I'm angry at her. It's, it is, I'm passionate. I have a, a passion for love for her. I have a passion for love for my kids, for the church, for God. And the devil looks at that whole scenario and he says, okay, I can manipulate this. I can take this and completely break it. If I can just sink them down right here in their, their moment of weakness, I'll completely demolish their life. In Psalms 23, and I just want to read this scripture really quick. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. And for his name's sake. And this is the part that we really need to focus on in verse 4. Even though I walk, walk is an action. It is an action to get through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not meant for us to stay there. It's meant for us to push through. But if we don't push through this valley of shadow of death, then we'll never see the other side that is flowing with milk and honey. God is waiting for us to realize that we're not supposed to camp out in this quote unquote passion or anger that we're supposed to be walking with passion to get to the other side. It is not that we're supposed to just sit there and say, God, I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm passionate about my anger. It it is about God. I'm passionate about getting through this scenario so that I can see the land that is flowing with milk and honey. But if we never see that we're supposed to be walking and taking action to get away from our anger, then we plant right down in the middle of the shadow of death and make home. 
We make it home and we're like, oh, look at my beautiful house. Look how great it is. I want to invite people in. And then I start to talk to them. I'm not happy about this. Are you? What do you think? And they, they jump on board too. And they're just like, oh, I'm angry too. And all of a sudden, it is a chain reaction throughout the world. We have false advertisement on the news. Or we have a, a, a lie that's being told to us. And we have people that are, are erected in these Positions to lead us and guide us. They say, we're going to do this. We're going to make things great. We're going to do all this stuff. And then we find out, wait, they lied to us. And, and, and we sit in that and we think, there's no way out. There's always a way out. That passion that God has given us with the Holy Spirit is our way out of the valley of the shadow of, the, of death so that we can get to the glory of God. And I think that leads into something that you and I were discussing after we had two hours of steak at the, at the restaurant, which was really good. Yeah. Um, you brought up a point that really fascinated me, is that anger is either going to drive you closer to God or drive you further away from God. And the reason, and I want to shout this out to our listeners that are across the world, that hit me because when you take a look at heavy metal today, and what's going on, you see a very clear dichotomy that's happening. You have the ones that are crying in anger, and they're very close. Their, their music is now teetering on the edge of eternal significance. Some of them are being saved. Okay, um, Many of you may not know, you might be familiar with Jacoby Shaddock's Papa Roach. He, in 2014, made the statement that he, he was, he's born again. He's a different man. And he had that anger and that rage, and now he's on the other side. And we see that going on. But then we see the other dichotomy of where it gets darker and darker and darker in the metal community. And there's still, I believe there's still hope for those that are on that side, and that's what we pray. But Russell, can you explain to us about how anger either drives you closer to God or further away? Yeah, um, when we hold on to anger, it, it leaves us in one spot. Anger is a stationary thing. It is not something that should be mobile. It is not in the spiritual realm. If we look at it, anger is something that is an anchor to your problems. 100%. If we are angry long enough, we will stay angry even longer. Uh, the more we're angry, God looks at us and says, but why? Why are you angry? And some of us don't even take the time to really figure out, why am I angry? Because there are, there's so many little things that just stack up and stack up and stack up. And we, we, we don't even realize why we're angry anymore. That's the whole, it's even going back to sit down and ponder about it, think about it. And, and really God is, if, if we think about anger distancing us from God, then we, we actually put God in a small bubble. He's larger than we could ever imagine or anticipate. But what anger actually does is, is pulls our focus away from what really matters. The, the solution is the everlasting God. And I want to read another scripture. I love scripture, okay? So uh, Go Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, and you probably know this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways, says declares the Lord. Verse 9 says, 
As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That tells me that if I really want to see God, then my anger is totally irrelevant. If I want to see God in my moment of weakness where I say, oh, I've got a right to be angry. Crystal made me mad or the kids made me mad or the church member made me mad or Glenn and Dan made me mad. They put me on the spot. You know, uh, I could justify that in so many ways carnally. But spiritually, God is just shaking his head saying, dude, I got so much love for you. And if you just take the moment to realize how big I am, I'll wipe all that anger away. I, it never fails. If I'm angry, my wife knows. And do you know what she tries to do? Make me happy. She will find ways to pursue me to say, I don't like him being angry. I'm going to try to make him happy. I'll cook his favorite meal or I'll do something nice for him. And I'm sitting there and I am judging whether or not should I still be angry or can I let it go now? It is an internal battle that says life is not measuring up the way that I want it to. I'm going to be mad. Wait a second. They're being nice to me. <laughs> it's almost the squirrel moment where we're like, wow. <laughs> what, what was I angry about anyway? Really, it boils down to it's, it's not as big as you think it is. And, and there, are, there are cases where you know, we justify and we say, well, this, this is bigger than the other, other smaller things. I, I have a right to be angry about that. But, you know, when it all boils down, the separation that causes God to be farther away from us, it's, it's not that God is moving away. It's that we're holding on to something and God is an advancing God. He's, he, doesn't, he says, you know, I, I want you to be more than a conqueror. He doesn't say, hold on to the doubt, to the depression, to the strife, to the anger. He says, be angry, but sin not. That means work through your anger. Work through the valley. Work through everything so that you can get to God. The ultimate, ultimate goal is to do what? Get to God. God. I have run the race. I have finished my course. The next step is to see God. I like what you just said there, Russell, about working through the anger. Um, Dan, I am going to go into nerd mode. <laughs> you were there way before. Way. <laughs> I think you brought the glasses just for that. I, what, Sam, what, what was that, Sam? I said, I said I think you brought the glasses just for that. I did. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't resist. But there is nothing wrong with a little biblical, theological, heavy metal nerdology. Never. There was actually a study that was done at the uh, University of Queensland in Australia that they took these subjects and they had them listen to heavy metal music. This is an academic study that was published in a magazine, neuroscience magazine. And people thought that, okay... Well, you're going to listen to metal, so you're going to come out angry and enraged and start, you know, smashing cars and sacrificing animals and everything like that. <laughs> but the effect was actually the opposite. People who went in there and listened, now, of course, you have to like metal. And I think, man, I would have loved to sign up for that study. You know, pay, pay me, you didn't even need to pay me to do that. 
But they concluded that the people that walked out, they were calmer, and they were even inspired when they walked out. So the question was, and we're going to have to interview the individuals that did this study on a future podcast, but they concluded that listening to that helped them work through and process in their own mind the anger that they couldn't process themselves. Something else was helping them process, and they walked out, they're like, okay, I'm better now. That seems logical based off what Pastor Russell was saying as far as it, you don't stop there, okay? Like, think about it, even in clinical psychology, if you have a person that, let's say you have a horrible thing happen in your life and you bang your head against the wall three times, right? And it's like, whoa, I see what happened, big deal. That's kind of normal. If you do that for like 27 years, you probably have a problem, right? Probably. <laughs> so you're just hitting your head against the wall. So the duration, I think, is a very powerful factor in that, that if you camp out in anger, you camp out in some passionate sector of human emotion and you keep going back to that, you know, Houston, there's a problem, you know, at that point. And those guys, I know that's absolutely true with me. I listen to a whole spectrum of music. I love music, but actually heavy metal makes me very cerebral to be able to think through different things. I, I think it helps with ADHD. I don't know. <laughs> I got a little bit of that going on. So when I listen to it, it has the opposite effect of whatever the, all the preachers warned me about in the 80s about it. you know. And I hear it, and it focuses me in on things that are larger and bigger and even in the spectrum of, of where people are trying to be secular with it. You know, it's, it's a weird concept. It's God's world. It's God's notes. It's God's everything. And then unregenerate or people that don't know the gospel and they're dealing with it in the way that they can. I was thinking there's so many biblical examples. There's, you know, David, he danced until like his robe was falling off. Um, The Lord, when he prayed and, and he was in agony and he sweat drops of blood. That is that is the extreme there there. And there's tons of examples all the way through. And when I think about even the way some of these musicians, secular for ease of understanding, when they approach this passionate music and they release everything, they may be singing about sex, drugs, rock and roll, the occult, and they hit that and they keep going and keep going and keep going. And then gradually they're having to sing about these deep questions of life because all of that stuff just, it didn't go anywhere. And before you know it, they're singing about God or they're singing, they're right at the threshold of saying things about God and they're talking about creation. They're talking about you know, just the beauty of, of created things. It's like they're right there. You know, they're close to God. But I just, I think that that study and that saying about it being, uh, echoing what Pastor Russell was saying, that it's not somewhere that you camp out, you know. No. It, you keep moving. And the Bible even says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Right. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, uh, it's just like we've been talking about, we, we can't hold that. It's not meant for us to hold. It's too heavy. For us, that's why we lash out in anger. It was never meant for us to hold on to. You know, doubt and depression is not meant for us to hold on to. We're supposed to release it to God, and if we don't release it to God, it will never get resolved. So, being that He's saying, "Don't let the sun go down with anger in your life," means that we have a time frame we have to work with, and if we don't work in that time frame, then what happens is anger buries itself into our life and we can either fall to a spiritual death and miss our our spiritual life that God has for us. 
and, and ruin everything. Or we can come to our senses and say, I cannot have an honor against my brother and still love them yeah. at the end of the day. I can't. If there are multiple people here today and they know if I have a problem, I'll come and talk to them. And I usually don't get mad. Sometimes I get passionate. But usually we'll just process it and talk about our situation. We'll talk about it. But if we never resolve any issues in our life like that, that means the sun is going down every single day on another piece of anger. And what that does, it leaves layer after layer, layer after layer of deceitfulness, of depression, of just strife that says, oh, I see that person over there. I'm angry at them. My, my first question is saying, how long have you been angry with them? Why have you not resolved it? Well, I just don't know what to say. The, the best thing to do is just to say, you know, can I have a, a conversation with you? If we go with the mentality that says, I want to resolve this in love. If we sit down and ponder on our bed and we see the sun going down, I've got to call that brother. I've got to call that sister and let them know. You know what? Things are unsettled with me. Are you okay? And they might even say, no, man, I didn't even take offense to it. Or they would say, you know what? You were harsh to me. And that's when we have to eat our own pie and say, you know what? I was. We don't want to admit when we're wrong, though. No. That's why we allow the sun to go down still in our anger. We as Christians, we like to sit there and say, this is a good bowl of soup. I'm going to sit here and eat this unflavorful anger all my life. And you will get fat off of anger spiritually. Or you could push yourself. We have a choice. To be angry and to sin not, or to be angry and sin a lot. Wow. That's and sin wow. alienates us from God. Well, then think about what he was talking about as far as holding ought. And if you let it go past that point, I know from horrible personal testimony, <laughs> you know, you hold unforgiveness or it's like, man, that guy for 12 years was like stealing or, you know, just right, whatever. Right. He had a lot to get over. And it, or just different things. Whenever I held on to that, it's almost when you read the warnings from the Lord about what he allows when you do that or when you hold unforgiveness about being kind of turned over to the tormentors. You know, that one parable is like scary. And it always gets, if I'm not fresh in the word or not, you know, pondering properly, that just gets stolen from me just airhead it gets taken away and then I'm not thinking and then I'm like when I read it afresh talking about I don't want to be turned over to the tormentors how long and is that something that if you hold off sun goes down the demons get excited because God gets gives them a little bit of permission to come in there and, and wreak havoc in your life I, I don't know that'd be a question I'd offer to you but it it felt like that open up a can of something in my life you know every time that I hold unforgiveness Romans chapter 2 says that God will give you over to what you truly desire hmm. Now, here's something about desire. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. But we can also look at that in another era and say, if I have acute desire to get to anger, you will find anger and God will give it to you. Because ultimately, Job when I talk to anybody about Job, they're like, man, I don't know how he did it. Yeah. 
His wife even told him just to deny God, turn away. His friends were like, it's because of you you're in this situation. And he could have in that moment looked at God and said, God, I'm angry, I'm mad, and I'm going to stay that way. He lit. This is the part where we have to realize that there is a God that is above us that knows more than we know and can see the end result before we even get there. He is God in our past. He is God right in our present. And he is God operating in our future. He knew us before we were even born. He knows the hairs on your heads, not mine, because you know, it's pretty easy to count mine. But he knows all this stuff about us. And we think that he's so far away from us and doesn't care about us. So we sit here and just keep eating and keep striving for, for some bit of nutrients spiritually. And something that will never give it to us. Something that you've been hitting on a lot, and that's before I got to back up again because I'm just this is just amazing. That thought of being given over to the tormentors and, and what happens in life and the opening of the let's get real. You open up yourself to the demonic realm when you just sit in that anger and it just just wreaks havoc. I've been there. You've been there. Wild man Sam. Yeah. It, we've all been there. And that's a scary thing to be there. I mean, you're actually, and you can correct me if I'm wrong and reel me in, if you're living in that anger, you're communing with the demonic. In, in some form or fashion, you're allowing things to happen to you that don't have to. Uh, it's not that you're operating 100% in it, but you're. it's like me going to watch a demon possession movie and sitting there and saying, well, you know what? This is not going to affect me. I can do whatever I want to. Eventually, if you look at the studies between a, a child that, that actually lines up the way that the parents have led it to do in a way to be respectful, guess what? They'll grow up being respectful because they'll see the quality of being respectful to somebody and seeing gratitude after that, saying, oh, wow, you're, you're really nice. Thank you so much. If, if we allow ourselves to be subject, on the other hand, to be disrespectful with kids, nowadays it's very evident. There are a lot of kids that don't know self-respect. They don't know how to be respectful any longer. Back in my, my day, and it wasn't too long ago, my mom and dad taught me always, say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And still to this day, without any hesitation, I would say, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. It is something that we have to learn and condition ourselves to say that am I going to stay in the line of righteous anger or self-righteous anger? And if we line ourselves up with God, do you know what happens? We meet him. We find him. Even in our anger, when, when we have that moment of anger and it just triggers us. And then we, we sit down and we ponder and we're like, wait a second, there's a God above me that knows everything about me and knows what I'm going to face, what I'm going to say. I'm going to give him the praise. And that's what Job did in that moment where everybody else was denying God and saying, you're the, you're the fault of your own demise. You're, you, you're, you're going exactly where you need to be. And Job was, God, I love you. Thank you so much for this life. Even if I have sores and boils and, and I'm hurting and I've lost everything. God said, I'm going to give you everything back. You know what? I'm going to give you a double portion. How about that? Wow. Hmm. 
That's amazing to me that that one bit of obedience that we have the authority to go into leads to a bigger crumb that God is laying right in front of us. And I think something that I want our listeners around the world to understand some of you may know the Lord as Dan and I do. Some of you may not. You might be questioning, is God really there? And something that real Pastor Russell has said repeatedly, I don't even know if you've, you've hit this several times, is that God is everywhere. Yes. 100%. Even in the darkest valley, God is there. Even when it doesn't feel like He's there. And you can correct me again if I'm wrong is that a lot of times when we feel that God is not there, He does hide sometimes so that we can pursue Him. But a lot of times it has more to do with where we're at rather than where God's at. So in that, are we focused on ourselves? And if we are focused on just ourselves, because a lot of people come to church and they're like, I'm going to get my life right today. I'm going to do right today. And they forget that there are so many people surrounding them that are actually looking for a great example. And they could be that example. God is in every moment and everywhere. He's never going to be separated from His people, His creation. He loves us on a level that we can never fathom. But He loves us still. See, we think that God needs to come down to our standard and say, well, God, just operate the way that I want you to. That's not how He operated with the children of Israel. When, when they bellyached and when they wanted something contrary to what God was trying to give them, it took 40 years to weed out the bad mentality so that a good mentality could, could be there. Because Caleb and Joshua were the only ones left out of that whole scenario that said, we're going to get that land. They didn't say, I'm angry, I'm mad, I want that land. They said, we're going to get that land. That land is ours. We're going to take it from the giants. We're going to take it from anybody else that gets in our way. And that is not anger. That is passion right there. There you go. Dan? I, I definitely hear Pastor Russell talk about that. It, it stirred my heart to say something to our listeners. Our listeners in are, are in a lot of different places geographically, but also spiritually. Some of you guys have never grown up in church. This is some, you're like, what is this podcast? And you've listened to it. There's been something that, or someone that's been keeping you going like, okay, this is interesting. I can relate to anger. For those of you that we would say, you don't know the Lord. You don't know that much about the Bible. Some of the anger that may rise up in you in life. Maybe you were a victim of abuse. Maybe you've had a very difficult breakup, a marriage that went bad, a employment situation that didn't work out, whatever it is, but something rises up in you. And we've talked about this in Florida. Sometimes you responding in anger has to do with the way that you're trying to understand righteousness. God's dealing with you. All of a sudden you see something that um, if you were abused as a kid, that was wrong. And this justice gets stirred up. And the only way you can interpret it is by anger or rage. And you're angry at that person that did these things. The backdrop of what is motivating that, and I want you to stay with me, is the law. And your yes. even understanding of something being right or wrong. That I was wrong. If you were abused as a child, you were done so wrong. And that is so wrong according to God's law. 
Okay, so the scripture says, I forget where it's at, y'all will remember, but it says that that law is actually written upon the table of our hearts. Okay, the Ten Commandments is what we're talking about. And that's kind of where you need to start. If you want to know more about the Lord, you want to know more about justice and righteousness and this, because you can get mad at that other person for doing that horrible thing to you. And you, but eventually our prayer is that God, who's even kept you listening this long to this crazy podcast, right? You're like, this is some mixture. It's like church, but it's like metal. I don't get it. But there's this thing that, that we want to have clarified in your life. And it's that you could be moved into this arena where you would start, and this hurts sometimes, right? It hurts. It does. It's not a pleasant feature that when you're looking at that person that abused you, and then you're like, okay, I'm, I'm hearing those guys talk about forgiving that person. Eventually, that light shines on you, and you start seeing that, whoa, I'm a thief and a blasphemer and a adulterer, all that, that mosaic law grips you. And then you start to see that justice is not just about the people that wronged you. It's your worst predicament. And, and Glenn and I, and Pastor Russell, we want you to be in that spot where you can respond directly to God and be able to say, and in his word. So if you don't get this, read through the, the, the scripture, read through the 10 commandments in Exodus 20. Is that right? Okay. Yes. And you, you can read through in 10 commandments and start to understand, whoa, that's righteousness. It's kind of like a mirror for you. So just a shout out to our listeners. We love you. We pray for you. We hope that something that is said tonight will illuminate you so that you can know, because this is very helpful stuff, big time for me. And it's also going to be helpful for the people that don't know the Lord. And as that begins to expand and you feel the pain of it, of going like, whoa, you start to understand your unrighteousness, not just that person that messed with you when you were a kid or whatever. So. And the thing that I've come to realize is that when you get into the Word and you pursue God and you pursue, pursue truth, the Word changes you. Oh, yeah. Even in preparing for this edition of Get Real, this is very different than what... Our, our listeners are used to the Dan and Glenn comedy hour. You yeah, know. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Um, but this is very different because there's th- some things that I had to change even this morning in my life before coming in here and looking at these verses and looking at the, the horror of the tormentors. And then God made it so clear, and I want to go back to what you said about Jonah, because Dan and I, we're not doing this to make money. That's not why we do this. We want to see people saved. We want to see people that we love, seen and unseen, on the other side when we get to heaven. And that's the whole heart cry of this. And the root of bitterness that Jonah had, that Paul talks about, I believe it's in Hebrews chapter 4, to pursue all men, all men, even the people I don't like, with peace. But then he talks about how you can't see God, and God won't be, you can't see God if you're, if you're angry. So really, anger, unrighteous anger, is a block to the flow of the Holy Spirit in other people's lives and seeing people saved. Yeah. And that hit me between the eyes. It's like, whoa, everything that we're doing. And again, this is like Super Mario Brothers where we go from glory to glory, from level one to level two. You know, God started us out doing this and we were all, Dan and I were at a certain place when we started this ministry. We didn't even know it was going to become a full flight. It was like, hey, let's do the podcast again. 
and and now we're here and I'm like okay in order for me to really see I'm I am blocking the Holy Ghost with unresolved anger that's been in my heart and I don't want that there yeah yeah because I want to see people saved well you just did something that everybody needs to learn how to do confess if we confess to God, that's great. But we also have to confess to one another. As soon as you release that out of you, it lessens the power that's inside of you. As soon as you say, I don't want this anymore. God is saying, you got it, buddy. I've been waiting for this moment right here, right now. Because in that moment, the break happens. Your pride shatters. And what is left is the raw version of us where we see that we are nothing. Without him. Yeah. That our crutch was something that was false. That made me have a sense of pride. But that pride led to failure. And more failure. And more failure. But the great thing about failure. It leads to success eventually. Sometimes. It takes longer for some people. Sometimes it takes less for others. But I'm not telling you that you're not ever going to be angry. But I am telling you, if you follow after God, after Jesus, after the Holy Spirit, you will find yourself being less angry and more about love. Because anytime anybody asks, what is the greatest commandment? The disciples were together and they said, yes. what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said himself, you got to love God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul. And then he said, there's a second part of that. you got to love your brother in the same manner. Yeah. No, but yeah. If if love is the center point, we find truth, we, we find peace, we find understanding. We don't find anger in there. We don't find the essence of life to be anger. The purpose of life is to find love. When you have love, you have meaning. God is the essence, the absolute embodiment of love. I know when we talked month ago and I guess looking back on that time was kind of me having an opportunity to confess even with you guys I mean you knew a lot of it and just being able to say that you know what I think is really really cool is that if you ever get in deep you get off track and you get so deep and just anger so it's almost like you get so turned upside down you can't see anymore you don't it's not like oh I just turn around and walk that way you're off you don't even feel like your whole world's upside down, so you don't feel like you can walk back out that door. Your your will is kind of spread thin, and you're like, "Well, I'll try to forgive, but if they do this again," and you don't, you feel like a victim of it. And I'll tell you that just that experience a few weeks ago, me being in that situation, I felt very weak to make a change. I didn't feel like in command of my faculties to go, you know what, I'm just going to put that at the altar. Maybe that was me being passive or lazy. I don't know. But I felt enough in me to just feel like I could do a feeble turn of going like, God, I don't want to be here anymore, you know, that much. And I felt like he swooped in on me. That's how good he is. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you you think about in the scripture when it talks, one of my favorite portions of the Bible is the dude that comes into the temple, he's beating his chest. And it's and he wouldn't even look up, 
And it's just so powerful that that man went away justified, you know. And it's beautiful. So, it is beautiful. Yeah, it's a good thing. Pastor Russell, thank you. Yes. So much. This is real. This is what Get Real is about. Talking about real issues. Looking at it, taking, stripping away all the, all the glamour and, and the glitz with it. And it's just really a blessing to be able to learn from you and your wisdom before the Lord. And thank you. Uh, I've got to give credit to God because sort of like Stephen, I'm uneducated other than God just giving me what he gives me. And, you know, the wisdom that we look for is written all where we can see it. I encourage everybody, pick up a Bible, read it. Start at John. Start in the New Testament at John where you see that, that Jesus was present in everything that God did. See that the Word is God and, and love is God. I, I guarantee you, if you focus your attention away from your self-righteousness to God's righteousness, your life, everything surrounding your life will turn out in a better form. It is a domino effect. Destiny is a domino effect. There are two sets of dominoes going separate, di- different, different directions, one to death and one to life. And we choose which one we knock over. And if we choose to knock over life, it will just keep going and going and going. Pursue God. Find Him in, in, the, in the Bible and buckle your knees and bow before Him and pray. Ask Him what His desire for your life is. Thank you. We have a studio audience here tonight. We do. We do. People looking at us. That's unfortunate. It is, I know. Yeah, both the guys with the faces for radio. You know, it's, it's a lot safer in our cocoon in the, in the fishbowl. Does anybody have any questions for Russell, Dan, myself, Wild Man Sam, who was in the aquarium in the back? Any questions? We're going to wrap up the podcast, and there's one last thing I want to do before we leave. Sam, can you have him cue the, the outro for us? But before we do that, we want to thank our listeners Absolutely. tonight. And those of you, this is the first time you've listened to the podcast. If you've got any questions that have listened to this podcast... You can email us at lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y dot com, at lithoscry at gmail.com. You can check out our snazzy new website at lithoscry.com. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook, too. And we do want to hear from you. We do. And, and if you were confused, if you hate this, if you think we're stupid, whatever it is, we want to hear what is going on in your life and your perspective. We really do. So you can shoot us an email and look forward to more exciting uh, podcasts and different format changes coming up. We're excited. Oh, we got a lot, of, a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Sam, can you have him cue the uh, outro for us? <laughs>